0: AM 1420, WBSM presents Spooky South Ghost with your hosts, Tim Weisberg and Matt Costell.
1: Rookie South Coast, Tim Weisberg here, along with Matt Moniz filling in. Let's see if we get everything going here. Hopefully. Let's hope so. Something's up with my mic. Hopefully you can hear me out there. Uh, if you can hear me in the chat room, let me know. This is what happens when Matt Koss takes the night off. No more nights off for him. What do you think? you agree with that?
2: Not till I get more training.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, the Silent Assassin does have the uh, the night off tonight. He is uh, out of the studio, but Matt Moniz is filling in. Our Normally our science advisor tonight is our board op, our engineer. He's handling everything. And uh, we are broadcasting on Spooky TV as well. We have a different camera angle for you tonight. But uh, it will still be the same great show here on Spooky TV and on Spooky South Coast broadcasting on WBSM. We do have... Uh, an interesting show tonight. We're going to be talking about the Sally House, which is something that I'd heard about, but I didn't really know the whole story of. So uh, we're going to get into all that coming up in a few minutes with our guests, Don Pierce and Joe Centrone. And uh, we'll also be taking your calls as well, 508-996-0500. 508- I'm sorry, 1-877-996-1420. What's up? <laughs> It's hard, it's hard to understand your hand signals, Moniz, because you're just kind of <laughs> like making random hand signs. But uh, that's all right. We're broadcasting. The chat room says they can hear us, so everything's working out all right. Okay. So uh, we will be talking about that. Now, welcome to all the new listeners today who heard Matt Moniz on the uh, the show this morning with Taylor Cormier. Now, normally we're a much more polished production than this. Uh, we are fumbling our way through. Uh, we, we fumbled our way through a couple weeks ago without Matt Costa. Pretty well tonight. I think we're just uh, we've got too much technology going on in the studio. We're trying to do a, our normal show with less hands to do it with. We'll, we'll pull it off. You you need to turn yours on. Yeah, we'll pull there it off. Go. See, this is a, this is a, this is a sound man by trade, Matt Moni. So he's not used <laughs> to having to turn on his own microphone. Yeah. He's used to worrying about everybody else. All right, so we're gonna uh, we're gonna do a great job tonight talking about the paranormal. Whether or not we do a great job producing a show about the paranormal is a different story. But, uh, again, welcome to all the new listeners. Uh, we are on every Saturday night, and we do podcasts as well. We also have our Spooky TV video feed. Uh, if you go to SpookySouthCoast.com and click on Spooky TV, you can see the in-studio cameras, and we have multiple camera angles. It's a, it's a, it's a high-gloss high presentation here at Spooky South Coast, normally, normally. Uh, thank you again to Tiffany Rice for having me on her show. Spirit Connections this past Tuesday. It's up on the Spooky TV archives if you want to see it. And uh, also thank you to Jeff Belanger for having us on 30-odd minutes as we investigated the Fearing Tavern. We'll talk a little bit more about the Fearing Tavern later on because we m- announced our uh, Haunted History Night 2011, which was happening on October 15th last week, and we said the price was $150 a ticket. We, we were misinformed. I was misinformed. Tickets are $99 a piece, so you can't go wrong. Only a ninety-nine dollar ticket to investigate at least five historic buildings, possibly more if we get into the Tremont Nail Factory to hear presentations from myself, Jeff Belanger, and I think we're going to invite Andrew Lake as well, since his new book is coming out. Is already out, uh, so we'll have him. Uh, it's out September fifteenth. Oh no, we got we got emails that it's uh, it's been released. So yeah, uh, Ghost Hunting Southern New England is the title, I believe.
2: Uh, yeah, I believe so. Okay. Yeah,
1: and so we'll have him uh, on coming up soon to talk about that. Um, but uh, it's uh, it's out there It's available for, I guess for review copies Maybe And uh, maybe the general public gets it on September 15th Once you know all the buzz starts Because we're going to start the buzz No doubt about that I know how much work he's put into it uh, So we'll talk to him coming up about that But tonight we are going to talk about the Sally House Just get my notes back for Moniz There we go I'm, I promise Normally much more organized than this
0: Usually we have more hands, like you said,
1: yeah. and uh, we. Th- it's nights like tonight that always make us remember just how much the Silent Assassin brings to Spooky South Coast, even though he doesn't talk all that much, and uh, he doesn't he doesn't get involved in a lot of the on air discussion. Cause he's too busy flipping switches and levers and no, yeah. he's too busy playing on his cell phone and and uh, checking out stuff online and all that kind of stuff, because he can he can do all that stuff while he's running the show. He doesn't have to concentrate anymore after, uh, you know, five-plus years of doing this. So, all right, let's get right into the discussion about the Sally House. Uh, first joining us on is uh, Don Pierce. Uh, she formerly worked with New England Anomalies Research, that's Keith and Sandra Johnson's group, uh, as well as uh, RIDIA, the Rhode Island Demonic Disturbance Investigation Association, and working on their radio show as well. She joins us on the line. Good evening, Don. How are you tonight?
2: Good. How is everybody?
1: Oh, we are spooktacular, as we say here. <laughs> And, uh, good to
2: also,
1: hear. I'm sorry. Actually, that's good to hear. <laughs> For now, I mean, we're we're trying to fight our way through some technical issues. And uh, but we we will uh, we will do what we can. <laughs> the okay. Best we can. Uh, also joining us is uh, Joe. Is it Citrone? Is that how you say it?
0: Yes, you got it, Joe Citrone.
1: And uh, he was born and raised on the hardcore streets of Federal Hill in Providence, uh, and it's there where he first began his fascination with the occult. We're going to get into all that with him. Uh, he became a paranormal researcher in 2005 as a member of NIR and was also a member of Rydia. Uh He is also the author of The Sally House, Exposing the Beast Within, and he's currently completing a new book entitled Seduced by Lies. And his website is spiritfire7, spiritfire7.com. Thanks for joining us, Joe.
0: Thank you for having me. It's good to be here.
1: There we go. I knocked out the audio. on on the video that's okay this is just a a great start to a great show but i'm sure the discussion will save us uh tell us a little bit uh, about the sally house don and uh, about what it is for those who don't know
2: okay well um from what i know the sally house has a long history there's plenty of websites shows and um things that were dedicated basically to the research of it um i don't know where the story actually begins. I know the house was built in the 1800s. Um, There's different histories that people say it was possibly um, built on Indian burial ground. Uh, just different history. I think Joe knows a little bit more on that. And what I do know is that Deborah were one of the first families to live in the house several years and have several occurrences through the years um, that started off very mild and ended. Well, still actually kind
1: of goes on for them to this day. Sure, yeah. Joe, tell us a little bit more about it from, uh, from your end.
0: Well, as far as I'm, I'm concerned, I believe that this stems back to 1700s, 1800s, where it goes back to different families who've lived there through the, throughout the years. Um, it was the Finney family. And what happened, see, the strangest thing about this house is all the activity that we know of and what we hear of was from 1993-1994 when the Pickmans lived there and on. Prior to that, there were different families that lived there. Um, a lot of people are under the assumption that that house alone is haunted, and yes, it is, but Kansas, and that whole area right there, are loaded with a lot of paranormal activity within the area, a couple of blocks, down from the Sally house and this was just some of the research that we we did throughout you know um, getting ready to do the investigation and enduring and is there was a, a house called the Gog oil Mansion which is a few a few blocks down and what the allegation is is supposedly a guy that lived there back in you know a few hundred years ago was into um satanism and Supposedly, he had sold his soul to the devil for fame, and he became a famous lawyer. In that, in the time frame of that all, all happening, it seemed to be there was a portal or some sort of vortex that may have opened that caused that whole area to be infected, and it went down like dominoes. And the Sally House seemed to be caught right in the middle of that. Um, when Tony Pickman and, and Deborah Pickman lived there is when they got the adverse effects, of a lot of uh, the experiences that were
1: happening. I mean, it seems interesting. I was reading over some of the history of the house, and it seems like there is a lot of death associated with it uh, and with the, the property next door. I mean, I guess over the course of a uh, 100-plus years of history, it's not uncommon to have uh, some deaths associated with a location, but some of these are a little bit on the strange side. Well,
0: absolutely, because you've got April 17th. I believe it starts with 1857 when the Lots 9 and 10 were sold by the Atchison Town County. Then that went to 1859 where they sold that to Theodore Hyatt of New uh, New York City. The Finneys, Michael Finney, lived there 1866. And if you follow it, Finney died in 1872. Uh, Charles James Catherines in 1874, which is the father of Finney, also died. So, yes, you're right. That whole area, whether it's next door and and even the hotel that we stayed at, which was a bed and breakfast across the street, had paranormal activity. So if you follow it from a geographical area, because what we did, when we do like investigations, we will look at the geographical areas of things and we'll look down through the satellite. And what you want to do is you want to check on the grids and the ley lines and you can kind of find out where the magnetic field is and you almost look at major portals or certain areas that open up, and if you look at the aerial view of Atchison, Kansas as a whole, you will see that it's set up and surrounded by a lot of of portals and and landlines. So it's really controversial because, truthfully, there's a lot of allegations about the houses and the things that happened, but there's not a lot of substantial proof. It's A lot of it is just hearsay. However, when you start to investigate the town, when you start to go to the places on on first-hand experience and you get a little bit more knowledge and you're picking up stuff, you're getting stuff in photos, you start to connect the the dots and you start to link everything together and you say, hey, wait a minute, you know what? This isn't just driven on speculation. There is a lot of truth to this. The problem is there's so many groups that are coming in there and and doing investigations. You're going to hear, you know, 200 different sides of the story. You have one person that says, okay, you know what, this is what this is, and another person says, this is what that is. And you never really could get down to the core of what's going on. And truthfully, I don't think you'll ever really know 100% of what's happening, but this whole air of mystery of the Sally House has shifted to, is it demonic, is it human? Is it human spirits? is it tormented spirits? is it inhuman spirits? And you'll have a lot of different... Um, views and outlooks on it and opinions, depending on what background you come from dealing with the paranormal or what what roads you take it, you know, into it. So um, the only thing you can do or what we did, I did, was, you know what, let's go and spend three days in the house. Let's find out if there's any truth to what's happening, and let's see if the Pickmans were telling the truth and weren't exaggerating, because when you do paranormal investigating, You have to definitely go in from a uh, a skeptic standpoint, and that's what we did. We went in there expecting nothing, hoping to come out with something, and we did.
1: Well, we're talking about, of course, the the Sally House in uh, Atchison, Kansas. and uh, For a lot of people, their first exposure to that location came from the television show Sightings, which went and filmed there when the Pickmans were there. Now, they were renters to the property. They lived there with a, a newborn son, a young son. I believe, and uh, and and that's where a lot of the stories first started to come from. And that's the spirit that they supposedly encountered uh, is how it got the name Sally House. Why don't we talk a little bit about that and, and how it became to be known as the Sally House?
2: Um, well, <laughs> I can answer a little bit of that. Uh, I believe that they believed way back when there was someone that lived in the house and there was a child that was there that I'm not sure if it, um, they believed it was an interracial relationship or something and that a child was created and kept a secret. Um, that's one of the stories. There's very a, a lot of very different myths about how this person became of. Um, people have gone in there, have claimed to see a child. Um, Deborah and Tony Pickman have seen a child. Um, different people have seen different things. But to me, uh, this is just the enemy taking the form of something so innocent as a child in order to gain uh, the doorway to open up and get the acceptance to let something else come through in, in order to, to be destructive. Um, Joe, I, I don't know if you want to add a little bit more to that. Um, I, I'm just going on what I know as far as background and what I've heard. But like I said, he, he was there. I don't know exactly the whole story of what he saw, but... Um, There's so many different stories that have gone around for years, and that's where I think that they came up with the name Sally. Um, Also, an um, old-time psychic, I think his name was Peter James, also claimed that he had saw the spirit of a little girl named Sally and had told the Pickmans that that's who was in the home, and this is why they entertained that there was um, another child there when their child, who's now you know, going to college, um, was in the home, and they tried to accept and, you know, bought toys and, and things like that for this child and crib. the crib. Um, just, it's it's just a very weird story, but um, that's the ones that are out there. And, um, Joe, if you want to enlighten them, please.
0: Yeah. Um, as far as what the Pickmans experienced, um, when, when Deb and Tony... Lived there. They moved in there. I believe it was December thirty first in in nineteen ninety two. What what they were claiming in C N C. What what happened was Tony was the one that was experiencing a lot of of the activity that was going on. From what I remember, Deborah really wasn't experiencing that much. Although she did follow um, closely on what was happening. First, it was said that there was human spirits that were in the home. Um, there was a female. There was a jealous female spirit. Um, there they were the youngest spirits of children that were in there. Um, just, just a bunch of different things that were going on. But, however, the, the end result with Tony Pickman is no matter what the allegation was, he was the one that seemed to get attacked all the time, whether it was burns, whether it was scratches, bruises that would appear. He became the center focus of – he got the brunt of everything in the house. I mean, he, he's the one that really took the uh, – Took you know, took it hard. Um, the problem is, that although the groups and teams that were going in there, even Peter James that went in there, um, they were all trying to say that, you know, there was human spirit, there was this, there was that. Nobody really got to the bottom of what it was. Now, Deborah Pickman, I will say – she knows a lot of this stuff in depth of what they went through because obviously they lived there. But even when we had met the Pikmins and, and we had talked to them when we first went to the home, they believed for the longest time that they were human spirits. That whole, their whole mentality changed as time went on to, to shifting that it was more of a darker, um, demonic in nature. And that's where the whole separation point is. So now you have groups that say, you know, there are aggravated spirits, there were tormented spirits, there was, there was another group that went in there that said that they contacted the spirits that lived there, and there was good ones, there was, there was younger ones, there was kids, there was, you know, so it, it got a little bit crazy. And, and I won't say that any investigator that, that does an investigation is crazy because everybody is open to seeing and, and, and getting different things. But it still kept reverting back to being demonic. It kept going back to there's something else going on, and it was almost like this spirit. We'll we'll say. All
1: right, guys. I I hate to interrupt you. We have to take a break for the news. When we come back on the other side, we'll talk more about it. But we do have to take a break for the news. We'll be right back. Sorry to cut you off. About. We'll be right back.
0: I know the supernatural is something that isn't supposed to happen, but it does it. AM 1420 WBSM presents Spooky South Ghost with your hosts Tim Weisberg and Matt Costa.
1: Our number two of Spooky South Coast, Tim Weisberg here, along with science advisor Matt Moniz. And we're fumbling our way through the show, I, I guess. We're surviving. Uh, apologies to our guests, of course, uh, Don Pierce and Joe Citrone, for uh, for cutting them off so abruptly. But uh, we had to figure out how to make the news happen, <laughs> how to run the legal ID before we broke the law. So sorry about that, guys. Sorry to to cut you off like that. That's okay. And now Don, I know that uh you've uh you've got a situation at home, so if you need to go at any time just feel free and let us know. Um you, you, you're still doing okay? I'm okay right now. Thank you. Okay, just let me know if you need to go and uh will be glad to uh to uh let you get your rest. Okay, thanks. All right. Now uh we are broadcasting on WBSM and also on Spooky TV at spookysouthcoast.com. We had a little bit of a hiccup with that, but that's now working great. And uh, we also had mentioned at the beginning of the show that we were going to give you a little bit more information about the Haunted History Night 2011 happening in Wareham, Massachusetts. Uh, again, the tickets are $99 apiece. And for that, you're going to get lectures from myself and Jeff Belanger of ghostvillage.com and 30-odd Minutes TV and the author of more than a dozen books on the paranormal. And uh, you'll also get dinner at the Mill Pond Diner there because it's, centrally located with all these things, and uh, you'll get to investigate the old Methodist meeting house, uh, the one-room schoolhouse, and the Union Chapel. These are all buildings from the early 1800s, and you'll also get to investigate the Fearing Tavern, the infamous Fearing Tavern, which was originally built in the 1690s, and uh, it looks like it did back then, and there's plenty of artifacts and, and different haunting uh, haunted happenings that have been going on there over the years. You just saw it on this week's episode of 30-odd Minutes. Uh, so you'll get to investigate that. We're also working on securing the Tremont Nail Factory, which is uh, from, I believe, uh, 1838, the, the current building that's standing up there. So uh, it's going to be a great night. It's going to be a lot of fun, a lot of investigation done. If you're a first-time investigator, it's a great way to get out and learn. If you've never been on a ghost hunt before, it's a great way to experience the paranormal. And if you have been and you're a seasoned investigator, it's a great way to get into some of these locations that aren't really open to groups. So uh, it's a special thing that we put together with the Wareham Historical Society. October fifteenth, uh, it'll be from 10 a.m. Uh, 10 a.m. 6, a, uh, 6 p.m. to 2 a.m. 6 p.m. to 2 a.m. And uh, you'll get plenty of time to investigate all those sites for only ninety nine dollars. To get your tickets, go to SpookySouthCoast.com dot slash event, and you can pay for them right there with PayPal. And if you need to let us know that you want to go, and for some reason you can't buy a ticket that way, email us spookycrew at SpookySouthCoast.com, or you can give us a call on our hotline, 508-444-2661, 508-444-2661. So there we go. Now that we get that little promo out of the way, we can get back to talking about the Sally House with Don Pierce and Joe Citrone. And we were talking uh, the story of Sally and how it became the Sally House, uh, Joe, before I had to cut you off there. And uh, from the information that I found from the official, unofficial, official Sally House website that's run by the Pickmans, is that the as you were saying the previous owner had encountered the spirit named Sally and that uh, Mr. Pickman had actually verified that that was the spirit that he encountered but I also got to take a step back too to what Don was saying kind of whatever's there especially where there's all these all this talk of it being a negative spirit it can kind of take whatever form it wants can't it
0: Absolutely and that's what I wanted to to clear up and say if you want to from an investigative standpoint if you take if if you put everything aside of, of what Somebody says this one is, or what they experienced. And if you just take that all out and get to the meat of the story, you have the Pickmans who moved into this house. You have Tony that was getting attacked, okay? Um, But Sally itself, the girl Sally, there was never—it was never confirmed that there was a girl named Sally. There was rumors that was. Um, you know, going around saying that, you know, this girl Sally died, um, doctor, um, under the knife that she had died. But it was never confirmed. Talking to Tony and, and really, actually both of them, both Deb and Tony, talking to them as we were interviewing them, you can see where this presence that when we were in there, it would change and it could change into what you, I call it shape shifting for for, uh, lack of better terms. This thing could shift identities to make you feel what it wanted to feel. So when you went into the house originally, you felt like this can't be haunted. This is a great feeling in here. It, It smelled clean. It was fresh. It was like uplifting. And then as the time went on in each of the days through the course of the hours, there was also a big heaviness that started to come in. And every time we um, would sense a spirit presence, we would smell lilacs. We would smell flower, uh, different types of flowers. And then it would get to a rotten smell. And then it would change. So it was almost like the house reeled you in, made you feel comfortable. You, you second-guessed if it was actually haunted. You had this peacefulness, and then all of a sudden, there was a heaviness that happened. And every time the heaviness happened, Tony got attacked. I was there to witness on three events where Tony Pickman had gotten attacked. He got scratched on his forehead, he got scratched on his back, and he got scratched on his wrist, and it all happened in front of us. I mean, for me, um, doing research, you you see a lot of things. You, You capture a lot of orbs. Some have human faces in it. You get some good... DVPs. I mean, you know, as an investigator, that's all the stuff that you look for. However, when you're at, when you're when you're there and you're talking to somebody, and all of a sudden three scratch marks appear before their forehead, and and blood is coming down, and you have a paramedic uh, present to to tend to the wounds to make sure it was authentic, and you and you see it happen in front of you, and you're saying to yourself, that that couldn't have just happened like that. Like it's it's mine boggling when it first happens. And and that's what we were experiencing. We were experiencing each and every one of us were seeing a different side of this spirit. And I truly believe it and, and I know that there's people out there who'll say, No, it's this spirit or it's that. Mm. I personally believe that it is definitely an inhuman spirit that can shift identities into whatever it wants you to be. If it wants to be a little kid, it'll be a little child. If it wants to appear to you that it's a human spirit, it can do that as well. I think whatever that can grab your attention enough to give it attention and feed off of that, that's when this spirit um, resurrects.
1: So, if it does have that ability and, and it can, you know, change its identity at will, I mean, we would assume that any any spirit, you know, can kind of pretend to be something it wasn't if it wanted to be but the force at which it's able to do this uh and the maliciousness behind what it seems to be doing is what's led a lot of people to believe that it's demonic to the point where the Pikmans have put on the sally house website that uh that it is a demonic case and that they real you know people shouldn't just go in there willy-nilly to investigate because it is open to so many uh different investigative groups now uh in your experiences there and, and what you know about of what's happened there it sounds like Tony's really been the one taking the brunt of it, but how much of a danger does it pose to other investigators?
2: Can I, can I say something on that for a minute? Sure. Um, I was looking at the Pickman site today, and they have had added a disclaimer on there that um, going to the house um, could lead to attachment of, of mm-hmm. spirits. Um, you know, I don't think that you, you know, people don't understand. They want, Everybody wants to experience something. They want to believe, and I think these groups going in, they don't know what they're going to handle. I mean, I know that um, Joe, you know, went in with an open mind and, and everything that happened there. But you've got to understand, too, even if you're not directly involved with the house, if you have something to do with someone who's going in the house, other people are experiencing uh, the same things, too. And, I mean, that warning on there is a good disclaimer, you know, so people know about this. But it just amazes me how many people still want to go to this site and, you know, I just, wanted, I just wanted to throw that out there because I looked at the site today and I couldn't believe they had put that on there. But I think that's a good, a good warning that people really need to heed.
1: And, and it certainly seems like, uh, you know, when you do put that on there, it's going to draw a lot more interest. You're going to find groups that are going to want to go there because maybe they haven't, uh, let's see, how can I put this in a way that's not insulting to groups, but, you know, they, they haven't had a demonic case yet in their case files. So they want to have something, you know, they want to have that experience, uh, and I think that you may actually be doing just as much damage as good by putting something like that up there. Um, but again, I'll, I'll ask that question uh, to you, uh, Joe, that I mentioned before: is how much of a danger does it pose physically to others, aside from just the attachment possibility? I mean, can you go in there and really get your butt whooped?
0: Well, absolutely, because that's exactly what we did, and that's what I was going to lead to say. Um, You've got so many groups that are out there, and everybody wants to be the group. They want to be the one that goes in there, and they do everything right, and they get all the evidence, and, you know, it's, it's, that, it's that, uh, that wow factor. Once you've got past that wow factor, once you've verified that there is life after death, when, you, when you've verified that, that, you know that when you're done here in this earth, you're going somewhere else. You're open to that. Mm-hmm. What you do after that is totally up to you, because some people get so engulfed and wrapped up with it that it, it 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 consumes them. Now, with a house like the Sally House, with with a case like that, you're going in there and you're going to something that isn't just a human haunting, and and that's still up for speculation. Even when you're dealing with human hauntings, I mean, look, seeking the dead for profit and gain. Is not the way to really go. You do it because you want to research it. You do it because you want to help a family. If it requires you doing a home blessing, then you go ahead and do it. If somebody wants verification, yes, we know. We can do that. But when you take it to that next step and you deal with a case that's dark like the Sally House, you're opening yourself up to a lot of things. So, absolutely, the problem with the Sally House is, and Deb will definitely back me up on this, it became. A lab, a science lab, that investigators would go in there and they would like do all their studying and investigating. That was the problem when it became like a test lab for investigators to go in there. That's when they got blindsided because you've got a lot of the inexperienced investigators that went in there. They didn't take the proper precautions, um, whether it was using prayer or whatever they do to cover themselves when they go in there, when they leave. Because these spirits attach themselves to you, they can follow you. And that leads up to what I was going to say. The book that that I wrote on the Sally House case, on the three-day investigation, was not a book that was written to show anything that we did that was right. It was what we did that was wrong. We got caught up in the media. We we were thinking that, hey, look, we, we can make this into a show. This is gonna be great, let's take it to another level. And everybody, all the investigators that went in there that came out, when we got back, everybody got hit with a certain oppression. From who lost their homes to uh relationships that were severed to people going into a major depression, uh, to my son who even got attacked by a spirit. Um wow. yeah, he, he actually got attacked by a spirit. Uh, my mother was with him. They were in New York. I was on another case. He had a total scratch mark right across his head. And when my mother took the picture, you could see a white cloud of smoke that was right next to him. That's when I says, I think I pushed the envelope a little bit too far. I'm going to take it more seriously and I'm going to do cases that I know people need help. And that's what I'm doing. If that's my genuine motive is to help that person, and I'm not thinking of any game for myself, then I'll do that. But just to go into a house that's haunted and play with these things, that, that's a no-no. And I hope that, you know, young groups out there will, will realize that you can't go in there and call out these things because they will get you. They will find a way during the course of whatever time frame, because you know there's no time in the spirit realm, they can wait. And, and I, I truly 100% believe that if you're not going in there with a right motive, if you're not going there covered in how you need to be covered, usually, you know, for us when we deal with dark demonic cases, usually with prayer and, and faith, um, out, along with, uh, you know, scientific uh, research. At the same time, we have to balance both. But that's the tough thing, and, and I can't emphasize it enough. And the end result is you get attacked, your family could get attacked, you can experience oppression, depression, suicide, all sorts of things that happen with when you're dealing with um, the afterlife, because you really don't know what's there.
1: Well, Don, I'll say this. Uh, when I first received the email from our show's content director, Chris Balzano, he had been discussing things with you about putting together this episode of the show, and I kind of got the impression from what you were sharing back and forth with uh, with Chris that... The location and the awesome power of the haunting there, and the attention that you knew it would receive, had come about, and there was there was a potential movie in the works, and that it ended up ripping apart your group. I didn't understand it first. I thought maybe it was the the basic politics of the paranormal, where you know when the chance comes to make the next leap and to become you know the next taps or the next uh, you know ghost adventures or whatever, uh, that that's what kind of weighs on a group and tears them apart. I didn't even take into account when reading over that email that it could have been these, uh, you know, demonic forces that were actually working. Is is that what you feel happened? Do you feel that it was the influence of this, of this entity more so than just the general, you know, paranormal politics?
2: Yes. On a lot of different levels. Um, I think we were all kind of torn in different ways. Um, at the time I was living in Massachusetts. Um, that's where I grew up and everything. Um, it was, it was strange because the way we came together, um, you know, like I said, we were in a past group together. We separated from that, and um, Joe and another member had formed Rydia, and I came aboard, and they worked on the stuff that was going on in my house. But the situation I had going on in my house intensified from this one case. Also, I mean, everybody just got a hard hit. And, um, you know, it was like nobody knew who we were one day, and another day everybody knew who we were. It just seemed like things came so simple to us. I don't know if there was some sort of, you know, uh, divine plan that we didn't even know it was going to happen. But the case had come to us, you know, from someone else who had said, hey, look, you know, we need your help. Um, you guys have a different way of going in with this. And, you know, we kind of felt strong as a group. Um, you know, we go in with a Bible, you know, prayer, <laughs> uh, holy water, and, you know, a, a little bit of a different in our faith, you know, a little bit of a different... Point of view, but I don't think any of us were prepared for what this case was going to do on the inside and outside. I mean, I didn't go on the investigation, but I was affected, attacked many different ways, and some some of it was the same time while they were doing the investigation in the house. So um, you know, this this is kind of stuff that went on for years to the point where um, you know my haunting got so bad and with all the efforts and everything else that went on, we ended up leaving. <laughs> and that's why I'm basically, you know, out of where I was, you know, in Massachusetts. It just, we, I needed a new start. I couldn't take it no more. Um, my capacity as far as mentally broke down too, and it did that between our family. Um, my husband was, like, the last to see anything. He, you know, he believed, but he was the last to see anything. It was me and my son that were being attacked constantly, and and then and finally, you know, my husband saw it, and he was like, okay, you know, what do we do? But from there, I think we've all grown from 2005 to now. We've grown. I know in our house we've grown spiritually uh, in our faith and our religion and everything, but it kind of took that little extra push, sadly, to know that there is something that we need to do that we cannot see, that we, we need to change in our lives, and, and that's what happened. For me, you know, I can't speak for anybody else, but, I mean, in debt, we had a lot of things happen.
1: Well, I mean, that's huge to to have such a, a life-altering experience and to have it help your faith grow. I mean, I've heard of many uh, paranormal investigators who have had their faith, um, I'll say verified maybe, by uh, by investigating the paranormal, but to, to have somebody, you know, have something really push them that hard, it, it just sounds like as much of it might have been a negative experience maybe it was supposed to happen you know maybe it was supposed to uh have that effect on you in that way i'm, I'm
2: hoping that was the reason um <laughs> uh, you know like i said we, we all been through a, a lot of stuff and um you know i was having experiences before sally House case but it seemed um it, it got worse i mean Joe can tell you, I mean, there was an EVP sent, but unfortunately I don't think you guys were able to get it in time for the show. Um, What came out my basement was was just unbelievably, I mean, I hear it and I cringe.
1: Um, You know, it was terrible. Well, can you describe it to us? I mean, we can't play it tonight because our technical whiz isn't here, but Chris said (laughs) he's going to put it up on the website. Uh, Can you just describe for us what you hear?
2: Well, one of the investigations first. I had I've I've had it uh, like maybe three times blessed over and it just it was like it did not want to go. I first heard in my son's room on my own recorder. um, I can't really say the language of it, but as the house was being blessed, I heard uh, I was a dead um, witch basically Mm -hmm. that it was going to kill me. And it was such a deep uh, voice. And then another one was like uh, laughing and calling me names. It was was a really spooky spooky sound. But as um, one of the investigations, it was um, me Joe and um, another fellow of the group, Mike, we went into the basement, and I was holding the candle at the time, and they had some flashlights, and they were throwing around some holy water, and as Michael was praying, it was the strangest thing. I got this weird feeling over me. Um, I heard him say, This is now a house of Christ. You are no more, you're not welcome here anymore, evil spirits." And we heard nothing. We had three tape records in here. and We heard nothing by the physical ear, but when Joe rewinded his recorder, we heard something that sounded like a cross between, I want to say, a donkey being kicked, like it sounded like an animal being severed Mm -hmm. with the sound that came out of it. And I think everybody that hears it is blown away. I mean, it's just something that is just, it was so loud. And, I mean, Joe could tell you a little bit more. It was on his finding, I mean, he was going through the tape, and he was using an analog, and I'm using top of the line digital, and I got nothing. So it was really strange.
0: Oh yeah, that was that was uh, that was crazy. I mean, personally, for me, I, I came in before I got involved with the paranormal and, and investigated. It was more spiritual for me. As I got into the paranormal, I learned to fuse both things together. So I was in contact with. Um, People like Dave Schrader, um, Jason Grant, um, Keith Johnson. I mean, I, I got to meet a lot of people and work with some excellent investigators out there. When I got that EVP, I think it was Keith Johnson that I, I called him up and I played him that EVP over the phone and, and he was, he was blown away by that. I sent it to EVP experts and they all came back and said, look, dude, this, this is authentic. I haven't heard anything like this before, but as Dawn said, it was literally like a mule being kicked. It was so powerful, and the energy that it must have had to be able to, to be that profound, to just come out with a growl that was like, what is that? I, I really, to me, it, it's, if you were to get a baseball bat and whack a, a mule, that sound that it would give you, is the sound that came over that EVP, and to this day, if you listen to it, 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 it sends chills. I mean, it's one of those EVPs that you just, it, you didn't you never get sick of hearing because you still say, I cannot believe that that came out of your analog tape recorder.
1: Well, we are talking with Don Pierce and Joe Citrone uh, about the Sally House and their experiences uh, that have happened as a result of an investigation of that. Location. I mean, I'm sure that you've networked with a lot of other investigators who have uh, gone into the Sally House. Uh, have they reported a lot of the same similar phenomena that happened happened to you? Has anybody else uh, been able to get a, a similar EVP out of, uh, as a result?
0: I believe uh, the the investigators that I know that went in there. One of them was Todd Bates. Um, he, he was heavily involved with with the case um, before we were involved. He worked with the Pickmans right around that time that they were filming. That thing on sightings, Um he got some incredible EVPs out of that house. He also got, uh, went under attack. His family got attacked. It kinda, it almost ruined him from how I gathered, uh, ruined him as, as a person, that, that case because you become so wrapped up into it. I've worked with Denise Jones, um at the Sally house. She, she joined in on the investigation on the Dark Hauntings Project it was with Denise Jones. And she, we, we all, everybody that was involved with that case took something back with them. Took something back with them to say, hey, you know what? It, it, it was, it was a great experience for, in, in one aspect, to verify that, you know what? Deb and Tony were telling the truth. They weren't crackpots. We watched them. You know, we watched Tony get attacked. We, so we verified that. Okay, we know now it's haunted. Now, is it human? Is it inhuman? That will always remain a mystery. I believe it's an inhuman, demonic entity that's in that house. But everybody takes something back with them to say, hey, wait a minute, you know what? This is a wake-up call for all teams out there that you have to watch out what you do because fame, fortune, money, television shows, pilot series, whatever your gain is, whatever your personal motive is um, to get out there... And use that paranormal um, world as your stage to do it. I would really consider thinking twice about why you're doing it, because it's when you because it's that's the time where I believe you get blindsided, and that's the time where I think you you you, you run into a lot of things, and and there's a lot of spiritual forces out there that don't want things to happen, and somehow, some way, the universal order always works out that they they win in in the end they win and and that's what you have to think of it so take your lessons learn what you can learn because it can be very dangerous very tricky and very deceiving if you're not grounded both spiritually and as a paranormal investigator
1: and i mean that's good advice for sure but i mean it also doesn't have to be uh... something as profound as the sally house to have that occur either Uh, A lot of people can be experiencing what they think is a run-of-the-mill haunting and and it gets to the point where it it develops into something uh, way more evil and way more uh, harmful than that. Uh, One of the cases that I've heard about in this area was something similar. It was a a private residence, a private case, and uh, as soon as people started to hover around it and want to get involved, it made a turn for the even worse. Uh, It's almost like it's uh, it's almost like I can't decide in my own mind if this demonic entity is deciding that it doesn't want the fame and fortune <laughs> to happen for the investigators, that it doesn't want to have itself exposed to a, a more of a, a general public. And then on the other side, I'm wondering if it's trying to deliver to make sure that that does happen so that it gets even more, uh, you know, even, even more souls that can come in there that it can try to control. So it's, it's kind of like a two sided coin for it because if you're the demon, you either don't want it to happen or you like the feeding frenzy idea. Uh, in your mind, this, this entity that's at, at, the, at the Sally House, uh, do you think that it craves that attention? Do you think that it wants to, to bring in more people and bring in more attention?
0: Absolutely, I do. matter of fact, I, I wouldn't even be surprised if originally when a team goes in there that has fascination where – and that's how you know when you're getting uh, swept up in the Sally House is you – as much as you're, you fear it, as much as it's intriguing, as much as you know you shouldn't be in there, is all the more you want to go in there. You, beca- it, 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 you, you become so wrapped up with, I have to get in that house. I have to be in that house. I have to go There's Something that's drawing you there, once it draws you there, once it knows it has your attention there and it has you in, it can be whatever it wants to be. I think that it wants you to believe that it's human. I think it wants you to believe that there are human spirits and, and somewhere along a trapped in an outer darkness within that home to keep you coming back, thinking that you're helping it. And all the, all the time, it, it's playing a joke on you. That's what I really think. I truly believe that it plays with your emotions and it plays with the things that, that you are uh, believing it is, that you're you're hoping that it is, and it, and it becomes that. And then once you're totally hooked and it's got you, then it can do whatever it wants. And that's what I believe is happening with cases like that. And you're absolutely right. It doesn't have to be a Sally House type of case for it to be anything um, less um, harmful going into a house that may not have hardly any paranormal activity, just a little bit. These spirits, I think, here's my overall picture in a nutshell. There was a time where you had the separation between the spirit world and the physical world. Now because there's so much paranormal investigating going on, there's so much poking holes that the veil between the both worlds are just totally torn. So spirits can come and go now. So now not if you're one to believe that there's this so we're surrounded by lots of human spirits, then you have to believe that somewhere along the line there are inhuman spirits for getting in here and they're taking that to the next level. So, yeah, sure, it can familiarize itself as a human spirit and play games with anybody it wants to do it, because I think it thrives off of that now.
1: Well, uh, we are talking again with Don Pierce and Joe Citrone about the Sally House in Atchison, Kansas, uh, one of the most haunted places in the world. If you have any questions and you'd like to join in the discussion, the phone numbers are 508-996-0500, 1-877-996-1420. You can also text us at 508-444-2661 and uh, there's also questions in the chat room if you just go to spooky tv on spookysouthcoast.com you can get in the chat room there and I'll I'll read a few of the questions from the chat room. Uh, one of them is uh low battery dave wants to know how much of the be afraid be very afraid mantra that comes out of so many of these places is really just designed to keep other investigators out. Now it doesn't sound like this is the case with the Sally house which is open for paranormal investigators, but do you think that sometimes these stories uh, will come about because a group wants to maintain control over a certain location?
0: Absolutely, I totally agree with that. Um, is anything in any business in anything that you do? It, it can be whether it's in sports, whether it's in whatever. The paranormal world has now finally um, has has got a name and has a voice now. So that's a soap opera within a soap opera. You've got who's feuding with this one, who's territorial, who's saying, well, this group was here first, this group has more experience, this group is a senior rank, this group is here. So, yeah, absolutely, it's territorial right now, um, and it's become a lot of gossip, a lot of feuding, a lot of uh, backstabbing. I, I hate to say it like that, but, yeah, absolutely. So, if a group uh, takes claim of a certain area or a certain investigation, and, and they hold tight to that, and, and they live off of that. And another group comes along who maybe isn't known or or hasn't been in that area, absolutely. They'll deter them with any way that they possibly can, uh, whether it's, okay, hey, you know what, that house is cleansed, there's nothing in here. So, yes, the, the answer, in short, to, to his question is, yes, I believe that.
1: And, Don, this question is for you. Uh, you know, taking a step back of how you got involved uh, with things in the first place is you had your own severe demonic haunting uh, in your own home. And uh, the question in the chat room is if the haunting from the Sally House, if whatever that entity is, uh, somehow fueled what was going on in your own home, even beyond just, uh, you know, what you've shared with us already.
2: Um, yeah, Um <clears throat> what was the?
1: Um, oh, there we go. I see kind of a...
2: felt like there was something there. Um, and, you know, you kind of get that feeling. You look over your shoulder and you, you think there's somebody watching you, but there's nobody there. Um, I had a couple different things happening in my life at that time. Um, my father-in-law was in the middle of passing, and he did pass, and I'd smell his cologne. Um, I think I was a, a victim in the sense of I wanted to believe that You know, uh, it's just my father-in-law coming to visit, you know. Um, Things like that started off, so I gave it a foothold. That's what it goes for, you know, that that familiar spirit thing. Um, Then the situation started getting worse. Um, As I was helping other people, I was feeling good that I was helping them, but not realizing that I needed to pay more attention to the home front. Um, My son was very small at the time. To this day, he still don't sleep in his own room, even though we're not in the same house. Um he has a lot of problems because of the things that he remembers that happened um it was attacks on him uh other things and when the Sally house came into play, um you know, I wanted to go I wanted to go investigate. I'm kind of glad I didn't, but um there was a lot of things going on I mean, we got to the point where we were hearing things, doors were rattling, knocking, moving stuff um just a, a breakdown in, in my in my marriage at first because my husband wasn't hearing anything or seeing anything. Um, he believed there was something there, and I was dabbling. I, you know, I admit now because, you know, my next-door neighbor, she was into witchcraft, and she had introduced me to tarot cards, and the tarot cards were coming so easy to me, and I should have known this was all like some sort of trap. Everything and anything, I wasn't using, you know, um, Ouija board or anything like that, but just little things in the area where I was set up with. We were attached to four houses. The house next to me was practicing witchcraft. The next house next to them was doing sacrifices in their basement uh, for their religion on goats. And the ones on the end were, were just dabbling in whatever possibly could be. And, um, you know, it got out of control that everybody was experiencing something and coming to me, asking me to help them. And here I am taking all this energy back into my own home. And as the Sally House case was happening, I was experiencing some of the things that one of the other investigators was experiencing, not even in my own house anymore. It would be, I could be in a public place and and feel attacked, Um, you know, certain things would would happen. So, yeah, I think once you open one door, it's like a chain reaction, even with the EVPs, you're, you're listening to what's going on. You know, first it's like, interesting, you're running this tape and saying, wow, you know, I didn't hear that with my own ear. And. I was hearing first a child in my house, and I'm thinking, wow, you know, this could be the kid that passed in my home. You know, I'm I'm hearing this and that, and it just becomes one whole big, I, feel, I want to feel like it's like one whole big vortex and sucks you in. And, the, you know, you think you're doing something good, and, and you're really making it worse. So I, I think that people need to understand that, um, you know, for me it was more like I needed to understand what the word was of, of God and practice that more than looking for outside sources in, in, in causing that more commotion. So, And like I said, for some reason, these cases came so easy to us. People trusted us. We were going in with a different point of view. Um, you know, Todd Bates was the one who was being attacked, wanted us to help, and then gave us the Sally House case in return, you know, saying, hey, look, maybe you can help these people. And it just kind of snowballed.
1: It's the only way to put it. Well, there was uh, a mention in the chat room on Spooky TV uh, about the Lizzie Borden bed and breakfast uh, here nearby in Fall River, Massachusetts. And uh, mm-hmm. looking over the story of the Sally House before the show, I saw a lot of parallels uh, it, between the properties and between the history of the properties. Uh, obviously, there, you know, we're, were a couple ax murder shy at the Sally House of uh, <laughs> equating the, the more recent history of, of Lizzie Borden's, but. One of the things that really stood out to me was in the house that's next door to the Sally House, which is actually built by the son of the original inhabitant of the Sally House. Um, eventually, it was uh, deeded to a Johanna Barnes, and uh, she was a divorced mother of three with another child on the way. Uh, her son, Frank Wright Barnes, was born on July thirteenth, 1899. Uh, she had spent time in a mental hospital for mental instability, uh, and then on september twenty fourth nineteen o six her son died when her, him and the mother were laid downstairs in a cot uh, from inhaling gas. It sounds like uh, well i 'm sorry the mother survived, but uh, he died. It sounds like that was um you know an attempted suicide murder there uh, does any has anybody looked into that and and tried to find out more about that part of the whole sally house story and if either that had an effect or if it was uh, if it was a cause or if it was an effect
0: well oh, that's a great question because you know what as you were speaking you, you just jogged my memory on something while we were there um, michael my partner had done some research on the house next to us uh, next to the sally house and he had even said uh, that he believed that that house was just as haunted if not more haunted than the sally house and, and you mentioned the name joanna which just rang a bell, too. In uh, one of the days that we were at the Sally House during that, that, that whole three-day weekend, one of the investigative teams that, that popped in there had talked about a couple of different spirits that they believed was in the home. And they believed there was two children and, and, and a mother. And one of them was named Joanna. And that's what the girl who was there believed it was is. She believed that it was a mother and two kids, and they had to be there. And some sort of parallel that they were trying to help this girl, Sally, that was in the house, and be a family. So once again, looking at it from a different perspective of how somebody interprets what they think is in that house, and and that brings us back to dealing with inhumans, just thing type of spirit who could probably lead you to believe that the problem is this there's, there's so many holes that we'll never get all the answers that we you know we'll never all the questions that we have it will never be answered until until that time comes where we cross over where we transition from this world but i think we can get a good grip on at least sixty percent of the problem sixty percent of the problem i believe right now as it stands in the state that this world is in in general um... I think a lot of it is being occupied by inhuman spirits who are playing with the minds of a lot of us investigators and I include myself in that look we're all experts but we're really not experts we're still trial and error we're still susceptible to to attack um, and as long as we are, we're always going to be victims. It's just who's going to who's going to make it through less victimized than the next person that's what's really it about it, it becomes a thing of chance right now the more you get involved with with the unseen world
1: well we, we're going to wrap up the discussion here in a couple minutes because uh, we're going to talk with chris balzano about next week's bridgewater triangle episode but I, i'll ask this uh don from what i understand i mean this this case and the way that it's affected you uh even remotely has kind of you know, led to you taking kind of a step back, and we talked about your renewed faith, but, I mean, what's what's on the horizon for you uh, in the paranormal world and in regards to the Sally House?
2: Um, well, I've kind of taken a full break from everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I just had another child, and I'm trying to focus on the family and keep that together. Thank you. I'm trying to keep that together. Am I ready to jump back into something? Absolutely not. Am I here for people who, who want um, help or, you know, referral to some place? Absolutely. Um, Since I've been down here, I actually have had um, one case that I I tried to get involved with a little bit too early, and I didn't have any backup, didn't have anybody to really turn to, so I had to kind of let it go. Mm -hmm. Um, I've had other cases that I've referred off to other people um, that I know that could handle it, and um, actually in New Hampshire kind of area. And, you know, I get an occasional call here and they're saying, I know that you've worked with this one or that one. Can you you help me? That's all fine. Um, I don't mind getting, you know, telling people what I've been through and trying to shy them away to to doing their own investigation or trying to look into anything deeper. But um, I I have my family and I try to work on that. And um, as far as the paranormal, I don't know if I'll ever step back fully in the ring, but I know where... You know, the answers are, and I'm trying to do what I can for me first. I have to help my family first before I can help somebody else's family. And I hope that doesn't sound too selfish because I'm one of these people that I try to help everybody, and i got to realize that sometimes I get too involved with something else instead of what's right in front of me.
1: Well, see, now, I don't think that sounds selfish at all. I think that sounds refreshingly self-centered, not self-centered in a bad way, you know, like (laughs) self-grounded, self-grounded. Uh, it sounds uh, like you know more. More paranormal investigators should have that kind of approach to to feel like they're ready to go in and face this. When a lot of times they're not. So to have somebody say that they you know they want to take a step back, the the whole I want to work on me. You know, the, we we kind of laugh at people you know when they're talking about relationships, but mm-hmm. it's the same thing. You need to work on yourself. You need to be ready. And like you said, you might not ever be ready to do that. And to have somebody who can say that, and who has had opportunities to follow this through in the media and to possibly profit off of it, and to have somebody in your shoes like that step back and say, oh, I'm not ready for that, it's refreshing, and it's not something that you experience a lot of in the paranormal. One guy, though, who's going to keep making money off of this kind of stuff is Joe Citroen, because he's got the book, Sally House, Exposing the Beast Within, and, uh, and now you say you're working on a new book called Seduced by Lies. Joe, I was just pulling your leg a little bit there, but uh, what, what's the new book about
0: Seduced by Lies is exactly what it sounds like. It's, it's, um, the first half of it is, is telling, um, my story, uh, throughout the years that I kept a, a journal that I logged into all my supernatural encounters. It's a book that is going to have the reader interact where they could play paranormal investigator, they could listen to the claims, they can listen to the allegations, and they have a questionnaire they can go over and, and, And and breakdown. Um, It's also live interaction where I send them to a website and I give them evidence and photos to view. And then after that, I do the second half of the book is just a breakdown of my interpretation of what I think is going on behind the world, uh, in the unseen world right now. How a lot of us are being seduced by the lies in the spirit realm and and lies dealing with inhuman spirits and and the dangers of the paranormal. So that's what that book is about. It's going to be really interesting. Uh, when it does come out because i think it's going to it's going to it's going to appease both sides it's going to the the skeptic it's going to help the skeptic it's going to help the paranormal investigator and it's going to help the person that's seeking um, spiritual answers so i try to kill three birds with one stone in that one
1: and people can keep up to date with that on your website spiritfire7 that's spiritfire the number 7.com and it says in your bio that you're a former hard rock drummer uh, do you still drum or is that something that's uh, in your past now
0: Well, former hard rock drummer, yes. Um, yeah, I uh, I played with uh, Iron Maiden tribute bands back in the day. Uh, Ronnie James Dio tribute band. I mean, I I played in so many. Right now when I do, we do seminars. Um, when we talk about stuff like this in the seminars, we usually have uh, music uh, and and I'll do that. So yeah, I'll I'll play alternative type of music, um, but I'm away from the club scene, and I finally put that to rest now. So I'm enjoying drums for what it is now.
1: Well, but we do have a paranormal rock band, the EVPs. So, And uh, although Matt Moniz is a fine drummer, we could always use some more expertise. So uh, next time we have a gig, maybe we'll give you a call.
0: Absolutely do it. I'll be there.
1: All right, good. He can teach us some maiden. Sounds good. <laughs> All right, thank you both for joining us, uh, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Uh, keep us up to date, though, if uh, if anything continues to happen in relation to the Sally House case, just let us know. Thank you for
2: having us. All right.
1: All right. Thanks. Thank have, you. have a great night.
2: You too.
1: Bye. All right, and uh, now we're just going to have Chris Balzano join us for a few minutes to talk about next week. Go ahead, Chris. You can call the VIP line now. Uh, we're going to uh, have our annual Bridgewater Triangle investigation show. And uh, it's going to be uh, the March of Anawan, but it's going to be different than ever before because we're going to have so many groups out there uh, and so many different locations covered. And we're not going to have time to call in and check in with all of them uh, as as we normally would. So uh, what we're going to do is we're going to try to use social media and, you know, internet interaction to, to get things going. One of the things that uh, I'm trying to figure out how to do, and I'm not a Twitter guy, hopefully somebody out there is a Twitter person, but and they can help us out. But we're hoping to have everybody that's out there, each group or each uh, investigator, you know, somebody's got to have access to Twitter on their phone, and what they can do is they can actually use the hashtag that we're going to come up with, which we're still talking about. Spooky Triangle might be it. but uh, And they can use that to tweet from wherever they are, and then people can stay in the discussion by using that hashtag. Uh, so let's go right to Chris here because he probably knows more. What's up, dude?
3: Hey, how are you tonight? Great interview, by the way.
1: Thank you. Thank you for uh, bringing them uh, in touch with us. We have uh, about four or five minutes here to talk about what we've got planned for next week, and I know that you've got kind of the full list going of, of who's on board and especially what locations will be covered.
3: Yep. Um, I think uh, taking the part of the Chris Bolano in-studio role, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, is going to be um, uh, what's his name? Manny and uh, Chris from... Um, from the Bridgewater
1: Triangle. Yep, uh, they, they should be joining us uh, as far as I know. And I, I thought I'd heard that Tiffany Rice was joining us in studio, but that, that might be changing.
3: Oh, yes, I'll get to that. That's okay. actually, the, the, I think, the most exciting part of what we're planning right now. So uh, we do have Bay State Paranormal, yep. um, which is a couple of our other friends, Eric and Jason, kind of uh, hooking up with them. Um, and they're going to do Burial Hill in Plymouth. Um, it's really cool. We've got some new places that we're going to. And then there's uh, a group. Uh, kind of headed by uh, Kathy Kasem, who I need to know a little bit more about
1: her. We're finding out, but she's going to be our... Paranormal Granny. Yeah. Oh, is, it, is that who that is? Yeah, she's more known by that name. Huh. Oh, okay, she's yeah. Like it's Kathy nobody knows who you mean, but yeah, Paranormal That's Granny.
3: Right. Yeah. She, uh, she's going to be taking over the uh, Route 44 and hopefully hooking up with, um, at least before, ahead of time with Andy, to follow up on a recent... Uh, uh, redhead Hitchhiker Sighting, just slightly off 44, off like a road off 44. Um, we've got some people from uh, from NIR, uh, kind of led by Nathan Mayer, who's a, a good fan of the show. Um, they're going to be doing the Sonnet Ledge and Profile Rock. Um, we've got John Brightman and his group, um, uh, which is, I think, New England Paranormal Research. Uh, they're going to be with uh Joe and Drady and they're going to actually be going to the Shack and hopefully the Pet Cemetery, which is another location that I've never actually been to,
0: but that I've heard a lot of
3: interesting things about. Um, uh, Whaling City Ghost is going to be going out to Lakeville. They're really kind of being uh secretive about what the exact location know. is, which is kinda of cool. And then a uh, Paranormal Pilgrim is going to be doing the, the tracks that run behind the uh the racetrack. So uh looking at the old T tracks and see if they can come up with stuff in the basically on the edge of the the of the um the swamp. So um, but then the really cool one that we were just talking about was uh great fans of the show, uh Mark and Dave. Uh they're going to be hooking up, hopefully we can get this planned. They're gonna be hooking up a Tiffany wright to kind of track down an old urban legend, see if they can actually speak to uh the Ames uh um, uh brother who crashed his plane and it became kind of a spark for the urban legends and at Stonehill College. But he actually crashed his plane in Randolph. So we're going to see if we can get those guys out there and see if uh, to the actual crash site, see if we can get them to, uh, to make contact with either Ames or the quote-unquote you know fine young lady he had with him and maybe even the, uh, the dead dog that died in the plane crash. So it's, it's kind of very, very cool because we have a lot of different sites that we haven't been to before. Um, and so it's going to be kind of a new look. The, the whole approach is going to be uh, really cool, and especially with these new
1: sites. Excellent. For all the investigators who are listening, we will have uh, some information out to all of you this week. We're also hoping to put together a conference call at some point during the week as well, uh, just to get everybody on the same page. But if you still want to get involved, you can email us, SpookyCrew at SpookySouthCoast.com, or you can go out, head out into the you know the Bridgewater Triangle area, head out to some of these locations, try not to contaminate anybody else's investigation, of course. But uh, you can also get out there, see what you uh, can expose for yourself, and we'll announce the hashtag on the show next week so that everybody who's tweeting can get involved as well so it's uh it's going to be a, a marathon night for us uh, <laughs> hopefully uh, we can get through it now you you'll be available though you'll be by the phone right
3: may i'm actually going to be um <clears throat> hopefully getting uh, evidence and information right. from the people as well and getting it up on the site not only the the tweet uh the Twitter account but also actually on the site of these different locations. so the person who asks if there's going to be any on on site video if people can get me the video and I can get it up we'll have it you know hopefully within Within minutes of them, sending it to
1: me. And I'm still going to mess around with the Ustream account, too, and see if we can't find a way to to incorporate some of that video, uh, if I can get it just as quickly. So who knows? We'll fly by the seat of our pants. That's what we do here. It's what we always do, and it's how we survive. It's how we made it through tonight without uh, the silent assassin Matt Costa here. He'll be back next week, though. We told him, no matter what, you can't take next Saturday night off because there's no way we can handle all this stuff and the technical aspects, too. So we're going to hope that everything... Uh, shuts down here correctly, and uh, I'm going to try and upload the last two weeks' worth of shows before we leave. Uh, So, next week, again, the annual Bridgewater Triangle show, we should be starting. Do you know what time the Red Sox are on, Chris, next week?
3: Um, For some reason, I thought they actually had their early game, which is why it was working out perfectly.
1: Let's hope so. So, uh, we'll be on at our regular 10 o'clock start time, 10.15 thereabouts, and we'll go as as, as long as we need to go uh, until we get the whole thing done. So, that will be next week. Uh, stay tuned to com for all the updates during the course of the week. And uh, I know there's no episode of Spirit Connections this Tuesday night at 9 o'clock, uh, but we do have a new show that's going to be joining us soon, and uh, we'll have details about that soon from a, a good friend of the program who's been on many times with us. So until next week uh, for Matt Costa, who's not here, who's out having a good time and a, a few drinks, I'm sure. Lucky bugger. <laughs> for Chris Balzano, who is always here in some form or fashion, and for Matt Moniz, who has suffered through the uh, indignity of having to work that computer without having any idea of what's going on. Uh, we'll get you further trained on that, I promise. I uh. <laughs> hope so. <laughs> so, uh, And, now, of course, I'm Tim Weisberg. So Until next week, we want you all to stay spooktacular.